episode 146 of the All the Books show recorded at the David A. Howe Public Library, where we talk book news, author news, and literary news. I'm Eric Mickles. And I'm Nick Gunning. Oh, uh, a little boy. bit later, I know we had to take a couple of couple of different shots at yeah. introing this episode, but Sorry. we're here, we're in it, yeah, we're doing it right now. It's just me and Eric, but a little bit later, Mr. Alex Berenson is going to be joining us for some questions uh, here in episode 146. So we're very excited about that. Looking mm. forward to that. Uh, so thanks for joining us, yeah. Eric. What's new with you? What have you been reading? Well, that was real quick. Yeah, let's go right into our bookmark segment. Right, we didn't. Ask how did you want to? Did mean, you want to banter a little bit? I stumbled over that intro like eight times. You're right. Like, a good friend we would be like, "Hey, it. what's going on with we you?" We should savor it. Did you watch any movies over the weekend? Uh, I watched Unbreakable. I watched. Okay. Yeah, I watched that too. Uh, I watched very odd movies over the weekend. I watched Unbreakable. Okay. How long has it been since you've seen Unbreakable? Uh, the M Night Shyamalan film with Bruce Willis. Everybody. Eight years. Eight years. And mm-hmm. did you? How? Did you, you still love it as you did as a? child of a teenager eight years i was in college was the last time i watched it right but i mean did it have the did it still since 2000 yeah does it still have like the nostalgia factor going i still think it's cool yeah okay i i didn't like it as much as i thought well you were on your phone most of the time that's not true (laughs) that's not true listeners i i love signs in the sixth sense Uh so much that i really thought like i'm gonna love this Uh it's just it's a very like slow burn kind of movie which i guess i wasn't prepared for okay so maybe if Gary Oldman was wearing 800 pounds of makeup, you'd be like, <laughs> "I love this." Yes, yeah, stupid. Hey, I don't know why I'm getting the so personal hour. about this. I'm sorry. No, it's in, it's you, in you can, character. You can be on your phone it's whenever in character. you want. I wasn't on my phone. I'm just saying, if you want to be <sighs> on your phone, it's fine. I'm not your mother. Anyway, father. I'm not your father. Watched Unbreakable. I'm, <laughs> I'm to say father. I also watched. Uh, <laughs> I guess we can count this as a page of screen adaptation. I watched Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Yes, based I on characters created yeah. by Pierre Buell in the uh, the original, yeah. which I've never read. Have you read the original Planet no. of the Eight books? I'd like to. It's very slim. Oh, it's just a small little <laughs> yeah. thing. It's almost it's like a novella. Yeah. Okay, but Conquest is weird. It's all yeah. it's very low key. So low budget. I mean, yeah, low budget. It's not low key. It's like a race war, but uh, yeah, everything's kind of takes place in one little little yeah. compound. It must have cost them about seventy five dollars to make that yeah. movie. Yeah, I so, liked it. The only one I've got left now is uh, Battle. Yeah, that's, Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, that's which that, I've heard is even worse. Yeah, that one's no good. Okay, that one's low budget and just like no plot. Okay, there's no like cool speeches or lines to even. I think Roddy McDowell's like, please, can't we do like the? No, but you said that's Ape has killed Ape, right? That's where that. Yes, that that's where that line I mean, comes from. Yeah, that's iconic. Yes, that's, that's true. something. I'm well, pretty I sure still, Roddy McDowell was waiting for the. I uh, still want to see it. How green is my valley? Expanded universe I to see, happen, but it didn't <laughs> happen. No. Okay. Well. That's too bad. Uh, and then my last page of screen adaptation mm-hmm. was uh, Sherlock Gnomes. Did you watch Sherlock Gnomes? I took my son to see Sherlock Gnomes yesterday. Wow. It was the best that he's ever been in a movie. He was like in it to win it. Nice. And I actually liked it more than I thought I would. Wow. The Elton John music I liked. El- what? And do you know who plays Sherlock Gnomes? Yeah, it's Johnny it's Depp. It's Johnny Depp. It's oh. like a star-studded cast. I, you... I, I had a good time. Okay. It's not a great movie, <laughs> but I had a good time. All right. Wow. That's it for me. We, anything else that you did? I guess did we started Westworld season two, mm. finally. We're like seven episodes. Now, that's... Michael yeah. Crichton wrote the movie, but right. there's no book or anything that's right. attached to it. Yeah. Okay, it's so it's based play. on the, the Crichton screenplay. Right. Okay. Directed? I think he did direct the movie. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right. So the Michael Crichton movie... I love now. Yul Brenner. I haven't even seen that movie, though. Oh, it's it's good. Okay. My wife really 70s, liked it. 70s, right? Like mid, mid to late 70s? I think it's later 70s, is it? yeah. Okay. Because the sequel came out, and I think that's in the 80s. That's right. There is a sequel. It sure is. Good times. So, yeah, I didn't love season one of Westworld, but we're only one episode into season two. Okay. So it's fine. Okay. It's just one of those shows that's like, please stop, get to the point. Mm, that's it's right. Like, I remember you saying yeah, that. Yeah, every episode is 45 minutes of what's going on, yeah. and then a cliffhanger. I see. Do we have that in the collection here? We have season one. Season they one. took we forever do. to put that have. one out on okay. DVD. That's cool. HBO can be vet, very... Uh, selfish i see about putting their stuff well, on dvd way to call hbo out yeah uh now let's move into our bookmark segment how about that okay bookmark. all right let's talk about some of the things we've been reading i knocked a few things out over the weekend <laughs> okay <laughs> i read two graphics i want to tell you about archie volume five this why is do you the, want to tell me this the mark wade archie uh-huh. series uh, archie he can I feel really like move. I feel like maybe the dumb CW show uh-huh. is, is kind of creeping into it a little bit Uh-oh. because like there's a, the the drama 
to like you just call the show that you've watched mostly all of real dumb well it just it's just been like crescendoing into dumbness right it started i really liked it when it started but it just right. kept getting like low are we talking about the comic or the show now we're talking about the show okay i i gave up on the show right the comic though i can see some of the the like roots of the riverdale show mm-hmm. creeping into it and it was a little it's been a little bit more heavy in the drama versus like the humor and the like archiness of it. So mm-hmm. I'm on the fence. Okay. Still loving Jughead, but they haven't done one in a while. So right. sure. who knows? Reggie and me? No, Reggie and me was bad. And so was Betty and Veronica. Oh. Yeah. What about Jesse and the Pussycats? My wife liked it. I didn't. You haven't? Oh, okay. So Do you I not like the long tails to. or the ears for hats? Hmm. No, I like all that. <laughs> that stuff all checks out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I read DC Comics Rebirth. Uh-huh. Which essentially is a prologue. Yeah. So I don't know why they're. Have you Rebirth read it? Rebirth is a messy process. Yes, Let me it tell is. you what. You think just normal birth? Oh, I see. Is something you okay. don't want to stand next to? Keep it coming. Rebirth? Mm-mm. Forget about it. All right. Have you read the DC Comics event, Rebirth? No. We have the nice deluxe hardcover here in the collection. Mm. There's not much to it. I mean, it's yeah. cool, but nothing really happens. Yeah. And I'm not super into Watchmen, so the Watchmen stuff doesn't pull a lot of like. I. I am super into Watchmen, yeah. but I'm not into Watchmen doing more stuff. Coming, okay. I'm not into... I guess the whole like doomsday clock is like yeah. the new thing. I think it's still going, right. but it's bringing... It's like mixing Watchmen with the DC characters and yeah. stuff. Not cool. Not, not cool on my end. I haven't read it, so maybe it's good, mm-hmm. but like for me, just leave Watchmen alone. Okay. Fair enough. The book I read was Stranger in Paradise, which is a Jesse Stone book yeah. by Robert Parker. Isn't that the one I read? Stranger in Paradise? No, you read The Boxer and the Spy. No. What's the first book? Uh, Night Passage. Oh. Yeah. Never mind. You read Night Passage? I read Night... Nice, yeah, a long time ago, and that's I read the cool. sequel. What was the nice. sequel called? Uh, uh, Trouble in Paradise? Oh, that's where I'm confused. Yeah. All right. So yeah. I read Night Passage and Trouble in Paradise. You read two. Wow, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Did you like them? Yeah. Okay. That's why I read the second one. Yeah. Well, you could listen to our whole Robert B. Parker spotlight on the old episode of Hamburger's Bookmark. No, we renamed it. I think it's still Hamburger's Bookmark colon. Robert uh, Parker's yeah. Spotlight. Yeah, you don't want and, a Hamburger's Bookmark in your colon. And Eric did decide that a Hamburger's Bookmark is a what? A pickle. A pickle. A Correct. pickle is a Hamburger's Bookmark. Correct. Wow, that was a long time ago. That was magic. Yeah, we're just like, what dumb thing did we say? Almost two years yeah. ago. Yeah, a pickle is a Hamburger's... Man, I was wise back then. You were. Okay. So Stranger in Paradise. Uh, Two Strangers I, you know, in Paradise. It was a little... This wasn't very good. Two Tickets to Paradise. Yeah. Okay. Sonny Randall is another Robert B. Parker series, and they'd been crossing over, mm-hmm. and it got sloppy and gross, and yeah. that wasn't happening. But I don't know. It was it was kind of a stumble in the series, I How thought. How many books And it was also like the sexism was like off the charts, which I don't remember being a huge part of the old Jesse Stone books, but maybe it was, and I'm just mm. like more like keyed in now. Yeah. But I don't know. I was disappointed by it. And there's only, I think I have two more Robert B. Parker, Jesse Stone books uh, to go. Mm-hmm. So I'm nearing the end. Only one Sonny Randall. Mm-hmm. It's a sad day and when I run out uh, of Robert Parker books. That's Helen Hunt. It was written for Helen Hunt. Right. That was why he originally wrote it, but then the movie never came to be, and he just kept writing Sonny Randall books. So, so it's Helen Hunt and what's his name? Uh, Tom Selleck. Though, Tom Selleck. Though the characters of Sonny and Jesse in the books are like, you know, our age. Right. Oh, you're you're what? Late thirties, forty. Stop. Early forties. Stop it. it. Mid forties. I'm not even thirty-two. No, yet. they're thirty. Like Jesse Stone is late thirties, and Jesse St- or uh, and Sonny is probably like thirty. Okay. They're both great series, and I recommend both of them. Mm-hmm. I like Spencer too, but all right. Who's uh, who's the modern day Tom Selleck? The modern day Tom Selleck. Yeah. I who would think you... I think Tom Selleck would take issue with you implying <laughs> that there's well, a modern I mean, day Tom Selleck. Who would play the role that a young Tom Selleck would have played hmm. these days? Hmm. Who looks good with that mustache? That's a good. Playing what was his show? Magnum. Uh, Magnum. Magnum P. P. Well, they're yeah. rebooting Magnum PI with so. him, right? No, no. Oh, I thought he was coming. There's back. a new Magnum. Well, yeah, yeah. so I don't know who that is. I don't know. Maybe a Hemsworth. Hmm. Slap a mustache on like him. Liam Hemsworth. Yeah, sure. Okay. You like that? Yeah. Okay. Then who's playing a young Ted Danson and a young uh, Steve Gutenberg? Oh, for the three men, three and, men and, and the baby. baby. Yeah. 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 Listen, I, the Goot can do it. I think there's enough Hemsworths. Yeah. We could just have it three Hemsworths. Three Hemsworths. Chris Hemsworth, Liam Hemsworths, and I think it's Luke Hemsworth. Yeah. Just you don't want to be that one. No. He's on Westworld. Oh, good but for him. You put the three of them in there. They all have to raise a baby. Yeah. Out back of Australia. Ooh, that'd be a lot of... Yeah, I was going to say, that'd be <laughs> a lot of Australian... That'd be fun. Uh, what else? Those are all the books that I read. Okay. I'm currently reading two. 
I'm reading Most Wanted, which mm-hmm. is the YA Han Solo book mm. by Ray Carson. And I'm actually really liking it. Nick has not seen Solo. No, I haven't seen Solo yet. But I'm really liking the book. Yeah. And I think they're doing a really good job of it both feels like Han Solo and feels successfully like a young adult mm. book. Okay. So Lots I think it's kissing, really... then. Actually, there hasn't been a lot of kissing. But the whole, like, you know, it's this ragtag group against, mm-hmm. like, the powers that be and them yeah. all, like, sneaking around. And the way it's laid out feels very, like, true to the YA formula, the very successful uh, YA formula. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm about halfway through. Okay. Are you going to read it? Uh, I don't know. I like okay. the character Kira. Yeah. She's pretty the prominent. In the, so. the book takes place before the movie. Yeah. I Obviously figured. not like required reading or something. Right. And the novelization... Well, Han Solo's killed in the movie Solo, <gasps> so it wouldn't make sense. <laughs> uh, the novelization for Solo is coming out in September. Yeah. These are getting later and later. I, I don't get it. I think it's to avoid spoilers, but everybody's already spoiled it. Like the, right. That Sunday yeah, it comes please out. Please don't spoil it because I have not seen it. Okay. Uh, would you like to use this opportunity to say how you felt about Solo without spoiling it? Uh, it was fine. Okay. I enjoyed the time i spent sitting there watching the movie okay and i guess that's it you don't think you it's not one that you're going to want to rewatch again is what you're saying i i see myself putting it like putting it on if i'm doing a full star wars marathon okay. but whereas like lots of times i'll just put empire in yeah i'm probably not gonna not gonna do that with just solo, do it with solo. Okay. though my wife who's also a big star wars fan really liked it enough that she would just watch solo yeah so. It got glowing reviews from past podcast guest uh, Steve, uh-huh. my little brother, yeah. and Sally, the Queen of Halloween. Both yeah. both really loved it. So yeah. I got to see it. Okay. Uh, and then finally, I'm reading for the Page Turners Book Club, Basket Case by Carl Hyacin. I've never read Carl Hyacin before. Quick question. Yes. Do you have the time to listen to me whine? I, I'm sure that's a reference it's that I'm not the getting. the song, Green Day's song, Basket Case. Uh, you thought I'd get a Green Day I'm reference. Those this is your first day bells. hanging out with me. <laughs> Um, what was oh, oh, to oh. the core, no doubt about I've, it. <laughs> I, I've been saving this factoid to tell you. Ooh, uh, I'm listening to the audiobook of the audio of of Basket Case by Green Day, the Green Day song. Okay. Yes, and it is narrated. <gasps> Please say by Green Day by George Newbern. Oh, so I've got Superman, the voice yeah. of Superman, uh, reading me That's a book. The second Superman, so it's pretty funny. That's yeah. the Justice League Superman. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, he also played the uh, the Buckley role in the Father of the Bride movies. Yeah, he does. <laughs> He's kind of a goober in that. Yeah, he is. He's on, like... He was on Scandal too. Cool. So yeah. Uh, no. Anyway, Scandal? he's a, yeah. Oh, I'm thinking Tim Daly, who was on Madam President. Yeah, Madam Secretary. Madam Secretary. Yeah. He's a good. He's a good narrator. Nice. Which actually is a great transition into one of the things that I wanted to mention. So we'll come back to your bookmark. You. We'll come back to it. Forget I just, it. Forget it. I, I just want to say. say uh, we had a listener request that we talk a little bit about the Audi Awards. So if you're not mm. familiar with the Audi Awards, every year they choose you know the best and the brightest in the audiobook world. Yeah. So let me give you just a couple of the top winners, and then we'll get right back to Eric's bookmark. Nick and Eric. Suspense. Yeah. I'm building in a layer of suspense. Sure. Uh, the audiobook of the year, suspense. and this is not a surprise, went to Lincoln and the Bardo by George Saunders. People loved that uh, audiobook. Right. Well, that had celebrities. Full cast, yeah. Nick Offerman, David Sedaris, and just about everybody that you've ever Megan, seen. Megan Mullally was yeah. in it. Who was playing Lincoln's son? I can't remember. It lists Nick Offerman first, is he not? Oh, I guess I thought he was just like one of the funny ghosts. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the ghosts are funny. All right. uh, The autobiography slash memoir went to Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. uh, Also read by. Wow. How late are these awards given out? It's for 2017. Wow. Yeah. No, but I read it in 2016. That book came out in 2016. Oh, I don't know. Maybe the audio book was later. I don't Uh, know. Oh, that's probably true. Weird. Yeah. Uh, The best, best female narrator went to. Bonnie Turpin for her reading of Angie Thomas's The Hate You Give. Ah. Uh, and Best Male Narrator went to Trevor Noah for his memoir, reading his own memoir, Born a Crime, Stories from a South African Childhood, which I have not read yet. Yeah. And I really want to. Yeah. So those, those are the big ones. You can find the whole thing uh, on the website for the for the audio awards you can you can look at audiopub.org and it'll list the winners out for you mm-hmm. so you can take a look there so those are the audio awards it's nice. a good place to find like a lot of people when i'm helping them find audiobooks 
they seem to care more about the reader. Like mm. there's many people who are like, who reads it? No, I don't like him. Who reads it? Yeah. And it's like, it doesn't even matter what the title is. Yeah. Which I found often when I'm listening to audiobooks, like a really, even kind of a lackluster book mm-hmm. can be made a lot more exciting by a good narrator yeah. and vice versa. Do you like when an author reads their own work? Sometimes. Yeah. Some Like David Sedaris is great reading right. his stuff. And Jeanette Walls read The Glass Castle. Mm-hmm. She was very good. Um, Lemony Snicket read reads some of the series of unfortunate events, and it's terrible. Uh, but you know you have to compare him to Tim Curry, who reads the others. Oh, so yeah. that's unfair. Neil Gaiman but reads his own. I think I've he, heard good things about Neil Gaiman. Yeah, I think reading. it benefits that he's British. I yeah. think that helps. So. Oh yeah, I suppose that would yeah. be true. Yeah. I was listening to the the Hillary Clinton Hard Choices. Mm-hmm. She reads the first chapter, and then it transitions to an actress mm-hmm. who is a pretty good sound alike. So you uh, just you Kate easily. McKinnon. Yeah, <laughs> you easily kind of transition into just accepting it. But right. yeah, I mean, I think if they've got the, if they're good at it, yeah. you know, then absolutely, I think that's cool. Yeah. So anyway, that is the Audi Awards. And now the suspense is over because we're going to find out what Eric read. Take it away. I read a Batman book that well, you that wouldn't like. not suspenseful Sorry. in any way. We Sorry. knew that. I read a Batman graphic novel. You wouldn't like it. It's called Batman Year 100. This is Potato Batman. The art is very off-putting. Yeah. Even, like, I I finished the whole thing, but the even by the end, I'm like, nope, still gross art. <laughs> it's not gross like it's gory or anything. It's just his drawings of the human figure are, they're just offensive. Like, they don't, they don't stand or look like humans look. They're so mushy. They look like a bunch of mashed potatoes that are trying to get into a movie theater. They're like, I'll have one ticket, please. It's like, are you a helping of mashed potatoes? What is this, Batman? You, year you 100. Year 100. Yeah. Okay. So this is by Paul Pope. This this is not one we have in our collection. No. You got this in our library. Okay. This, this is both a little like obscure, but people who have read lots of Batman Ooh, comics boy. know this one. But this one's not as big as like Long Halloween and everything. Anyway, it's cool though. Is this uh, a Bruce Wayne story or is this an alternate Batman? Well, that's the that's the question throughout the book. Oh, I see. It's All right. The well, idea, don't spoil it. It's, what's interesting is... There's a new Batman. It's like the year, it's 2039. 2039, yep. And a new and a Batman has appeared. I've got the synopsis. Do you want me to read it? Mm, sure. In Gotham City 2039, a federal agent is murdered, and a contingent of Washington's top agents is hot on the suspect's trail. Mm-hmm. The Batman, a forgotten icon from the past, is wanted for the murder. Amid the chaos, Gotham City Police Detective Gordon, grandson of the former commissioner, discovers that the man they're chasing shouldn't exist at all. Yeah. Well, because there's police evidence of the past, of Batman in the past. Okay. And it starts in 1939, and then in the 60s, and then he reappears in 1986, which was Batman Year One, Mm. and then again in 2005, which was Batman Begins. And so it's kind of like, it's acting as if Batman has been around since he was created in 1939. And so the question is, how has he, how has a Batman stayed around for 100 years? Yeah. So, so I did, liked it. You did. I liked did it. Did you already send it back? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, no, I returned it. Maybe it's not sent back. Ooh. Maybe it's uh, yeah, downstairs. Yeah, I'll read it. It was an interlibrary loan, okay. actually. It's not in the our system. But yeah. we do have an interlibrary loan system, which gets That's us right. books from all over the country. Any book you want. Yeah. We can get it. So yesterday, I picked up a book called Jurassic Park. Oh, I've heard of that. By Michael Crichton. Yeah. Up uh, and comer. Yes. Well, <laughs> that's probably a little dark now. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I just started reading it, and then I just kept reading it, and now I'm halfway done with it. Are you going to finish it? Yes. Well, yes, but I mean, you're going to go the distance? You're going to read Lost World? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, when I was a kid, uh, my second reading of Jurassic Park, like I ended it, and like as soon as I finished Jurassic Park, I just put it down and picked up the second one mm-hmm. and just finished the second one in one day. It's been a long time since I've read those books. I Jurassic loved it, Park. I was all in. Is it's interesting now because I mean they're talking about like 1986 like it was just yesterday. Right. Uh, and they're talking about like can you believe this will be done by 1995? So that's interesting. Them talking about computers is interesting, but it's so great the whole I the movie kind of cuz the movie's its own beast. Right. It's an, the greatest movie ever made. Um <laughs> But what's interesting about the book is that it kind of, it's just such a mix of like technologies getting too, uh, a little too advanced for he- people to control. Okay. Genetic manipulation might be too powerful 
for us to like be responsible with. And then you bring in the dinosaurs and the whole like the whole concept is just so everything's just so integrated together in the book. Mm-hmm. Whereas the movie just kind of deals with should we bring back dinosaurs and oh no the dinosaurs have escaped. Right. But what, what year did you first read it? Uh, nineteen ninety eight. Wow. Yeah. Early. And I actually read Lost World first. That's crazy. Well, I had already seen Jurassic Park. Makes more sense then. Yeah. Well, Lost World is really kind of a sequel to the movie in a lot of ways, I think. Well, I mean, Malcolm, for one. Yeah. No, so I read Jurassic Park in 1988, and I read Lost World right before I saw Lost World, the movie, I believe, or right after. I can't remember. But yeah, it's just, it's. I mean, I'm still enjoying it. It's great. But it's interesting. This time around, I definitely find Lex to be extremely annoying. Yeah. I find Malcolm to be a little pretentious. Oh, sure. And there, it is kind of funny because everything just starts like falling apart so quickly. Like mm. I'm halfway through, none of the dinosaurs have escaped, but <laughs> it's like as soon as Malcolm and Grant and everybody gets to the island, things just start going wrong. And sometimes it's so simple stuff. Like I don't know if you remember this fact, but they had a system of tracking dinosaurs to make sure none of them escaped. So they put in a number. Mm-hmm. They would like look for 200 dinosaurs and it would find 200 dinosaurs and like, see, they're all here. And then Malcolm's like, well, what if you put in more than 200 dinosaurs? They're like, oh, well, that was so they put in 230. Like, oh, there's 230 dinosaurs. And then they put in 300. It's like, oh, no, there's 290 dinosaurs here. It's like you didn't. No one was just like, I wonder what happens if yeah. I put a little bit higher. Like, I would have done that all the time. Do you do you like them equally? The books? Uh, I've was, always I've always preferred Lost World why i'm asking oh you mean which books do yeah, i prefer? which book do you like best yeah i probably prefer them equally you do i'll tell you this well, time you around. can't prefer things equally but i understand oh yeah i like i understand equally. your point lost world is very cool agreed but so is jurassic park agreed so anyway so i'm reading that i'm liking it and you're gonna watch all the movies yeah Taylor leone william h macy yes all the i'm movies. gonna watch jurassic park 3 <laughs> i'm not gonna skip it this time around good for you that's all. That's all right. All Exciting times in Jurassic World comes out the end of this month, the twenty oh, second. Really? Wow. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. That's soon. Brought to you by. So you you're just you're taking the week off work and just gonna yeah. do basically like a pub crawl, but with seeing Jurassic Park and seeing Jurassic. Movies. Yeah. I did that with uh, Superman Returns. A and pub I, crawl? I don't want to discuss it. No, I just saw <laughs> Superman Returns a million times in theaters. Wow. That Not is... since like Spider Man One had I seen a movie that many times. Okay. In theaters. Wow. There's also a game. You you know the Telltale games. Yeah. Uh, they did a Jurassic Park one. Oh, okay. It got decent reviews. Some just call it a visual movie. I'm like, all right. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll play a, a video game version. I love the Jurassic of... Park arcade games. Yeah, these are different. These are much slower, I think. But yeah. you also have the Genesis Jurassic Park game. Oh, my love. gosh. Yes. So, yeah. That was, that's still, to me, to my money, that is one of the best video games ever made. <laughs> I mean it. Is that because you have all the cheat codes memorized? I do have them. So yeah. you can just transport If anybody's to listening, 4NNB2009 will take you to the river level, <sighs> which everyone knows is the best that's so. crazy yep that's where you're grant on a raft you're grant on a raft trying to avoid a t-rex trying to eat you you got to keep switching directions you got to be tossing flash grenades <laughs> it's a lot going on but right. it's a lot of fun yeah that was two player right no no oh. you could play it either as grant or as the t-rex oh and the, the you know it's different levels and okay. stuff either way so. there you go pretty great stuff <laughs> uh so boy a reading. lot of jurassic park okay hey man with the new one coming out get because Next week, I'll be talking about Lost World. Yeah. So Okay. And I'll have to talk about the end of Jurassic Park. I'm ready for it. I have no idea. The dinos- the T-Rex just got out. Okay. Or is about to get out. The baby is Look gone. Out, the big one is out. I can't remember if Muldoon dies or not in this one. Spoiler Don't alert. tell me. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. Dies. Well, let's turn to some uh, advanced notices here. I can tell you what is going on in the book world. What is going on? All right. Look into the future to see what it proves. It's time for book news. Oh, this one's interesting. All oh. right. I'm, you remember the Fox and O'Hare books, the Janet Ivanovich books that we always kind of tease? Yeah, that's kind of funny. Co-written with uh, Lee Goldberg. Lee Goldberg, who wrote the the Monk books, the Diagnosis oh, Murder yeah. books. Yes. She's been writing with Lee Goldberg the whole time, and now we have an announcement of book six coming out, Ooh. and we've got a new co-author. And the co-author of this is Raymond Benson, Benson. who was the official uh, James Bond writer for several years. Which ones did he write? He wrote... Um, uh, zero minus thirty. Oh, okay. That, that era. Era. Sorry, zero minus ten. High time to kill. Okay. Uh, a bunch of different ones. All right, so now he's death. <laughs> <laughs> you take the good, you take yeah. the bad. Yeah. You take the uh, bond. Yeah. So now <laughs> I like it. Uh, so yeah. So now he's writing with Janet Ivanovich on this Fox and O'Hare series. Mm. So if you're a fan of that, even Janet Ivanovich, and she's not like 
as old as Clive Cussler, right? I wouldn't think so. No. She'd never ask a lady her age as the uh, old-fashioned I thing I do ask the internet so. at a lady's age, though. Okay, go ahead. I'll Janet read you the synopsis. Ivanovich. Janet Ivanovich fans, of which there are legion. Uh, Nikki and I were over at the American Legion this morning Holy showing cow. our... Uh, She's 75 years old. All right. She is her. up there with the other people with getting... The uh, with the Clive Cussler. With the Clive Cussler. Anyway, Clive we were, like we were at too. the See All You Can See um, clinic for low vision this mm-hmm. morning, mm-hmm. and we were showing off some of our audiobooks and large print books. And we had a Janet Ivanovich there. And most of the people who talked to us were like, Janet Ivanovich, I love her. Mm-hmm. That's all. People do love her. I know. She's so. still super popular. This is not a Stephanie, not Stephanie Meyer, Stephanie Plum. Yeah. This is not a Stephanie Plum, though. Uh, here is your synopsis. A sinister adversary has Nick Fox and Kate O'Hare in his <gasps> crosshairs and will stop at nothing to eliminate them. Mm-hmm. They'll need to assemble the team to defeat their enemy. Unfortunately, their number one player, Kate's father, mm. is on the run in the most wanted list. After being betrayed by an old friend, the trio is going to have to watch their backs at every turn to rid the world of their two greatest foes and clear their names. Yes. Coming out in August, the latest Janet Ivanovich, The Mark. Mm. Fox and O'Hare, book six. Yeah. Uh, also coming in August, this is a Laura, Laurel K. Hamilton. Have you ever read any of her books? No, I know who you're talking okay. about. I read, um, I picked up a book. It was a Star no, Trek no. Next Generation book. Uh-huh. And I read it and I loved it. It's one of my favorite Star Trek Next Gen books. Right. And it's written by her. And you don't really like Next Gen. I don't. Yeah, I haven't read a ton of the, I do like Next Gen. I haven't read a ton of the right. Next Gen novels, but. Okay. I was surprised that she wrote a next gen book. Right. While she was super famous, it's not like it's an early <laughs> thing. She just was yeah. like, Yeah, I'll write a next gen book. Well, you know, when I was when I was a late teen, I used to think like I'm gonna become a published author yeah. so I can get into comic books. Really? So maybe that was her. She's like, I'm Could gonna be. become a famous person yep. so I can finally get my hands on the Star right. Trek universe. A Deanna Troy. So centric Star Trek book. Uh, <laughs> this is book number twenty six in the Anita Blake Vampire Hunter Ooh, series. Yeah. So, um, Quick question. this is coming out in August. So if you haven't read this series, you only have to read 25 books between oh now gosh. and then. Does putting the term vampire hunter after somebody's name make you more or less likely to pick up that book? <sighs> Alex Cross, vampire hunter. No, I don't no. like it. But you just like the Alex Cross. You'd be like, yeah. oh, who's this yeah. guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think vampire hunter helps. Not, I mean, it, it sounds me funny, right. but yeah. Anita Blake, Vampire Hunter, returns for her 26th adventure. Fans of Charlene Harris and Anne Rice will delight in the series by Sunday Times and New York Times bestselling author Laurel K. Hamilton. A hardcore guilty pleasure. The Times Anita Blake faces her... Oh, that's from The Times. Anita Blake faces new, even deadlier enemies as she and the people she loves confront major changes in their lives. Boy, that was an underwhelming synopsis. Yeah. And I apologize It should read like, the king vampire of Atlantis has come to land... This one's better. Okay. I feel like that one was almost apologetic. The yeah. other one was like, listen, there's another one of these. Sorry about the vampire. Here's a better one, okay? okay? A remote Florida, Florida island is the perfect wedding destination for the upcoming nuptials of Anita's fellow U.S. Marshal and best friend, Edward. Uh-oh. For Anita, the vacation is a welcome break, as it's the first trip mm-hmm. she gets to take with... <laughs> Go on. Read his name. With were leopards. <laughs> uh-huh. They're like werewolves, but they're leopards. Were-leopards, yeah. were-leopards. With were-leopards, Micah and Nathaniel. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's not all fun and games and bachelor parties. In this tropical paradise, Micah discovers a horrific new form of lycanthropy, mm-hmm. one that has afflicted a single family for generations, believed to be the result of ancient Greek curses. It yeah. turns human bodies into a mass of snakes. Gah. Yowza. When long-simmering resentment leads to a big blowout within the wedding party, the last thing Anita needs is more drama. Mm. But it finds her anyway when women start disappearing from the hotel. And worse, her own friends and lovers Mm -hmm. are considered the prime suspects. There's a strange power afoot that Anita has never confronted before, Mm. a force that's rendering those around her helpless in its thrall. Unable to face it on her own, Anita is willing to accept the help from even the deadliest places, help that she will most certainly regret. If she survives at all, that oh, is. Oh, boy. Look, I'm not sure that that was better yeah. than what I read before. Yeah. It was more informative, Yeah, I but was, thinking, was it better? I was thinking if she's trapped on an island with a bunch of vampires, that's exciting. Yeah. But. This is, sounds like just a regular like wedding hubbub. Yeah. With people's bodies turning into masses snakes. of snakes yeah. and yeah. a guy named Micah turning into a leopard. Listen. At the full moon, I guess. Yeah. He's yeah. a were-leopard. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that is book number 26 in Anita Blake, Vampire Hunter. Yeah. Coming to you in August. Cool. 
this is a large print entry. So large print fans coming to your way in large print. We have one last breath by Lisa Jackson and Nancy Bush. Roy Abernathy's wedding. Uh Oh, another same wedding. wedding, Do you think think it's the same wedding? Do you know, I I believe in my heart that if Jurassic Park four had happened, like, on schedule right yeah. after the William H. Macy one. Mm-hmm. It would have starred Tay Leone and William H. Macy going to an island to renew their vows. Yeah. And it would be Jurassic it would be a Jurassic Park island and there'd wow. be dinosaurs on it. Jurassic Park wedding. Yeah, and you'd be you'd be totally on board with oh, that. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah, like, yeah you you sold me. Yeah, they'd be like, you sold oh, me on geez, it. I thought this was gonna be our honeymoon. Uh I'm gonna read you the the blurbs from this. Okay. Superb. A masterpiece of romantic suspense. Ooh, That's from publisher. Romantic Weekly. suspense. And definitely one you don't want to read alone at night. Isn't all romance mm. suspenseful? I think suspense in that there's an element of danger, not suspense in You're the, still describing in a, romance. Is to there me. will they, won't they? Oh. <laughs> so romantic. <laughs> All right, so this is a coming in large print from Lisa Jackson and Nancy Bush. All right. What's uh Oh, that's it. I thought you What's cracking on the New York Times bestseller list? Do the kids do the kids say Do uh, the kids say what's cracking? What's cracking? Yeah. Yes. They do. Yeah, you should definitely go I should keep saying it. You should walk around town like hey, kids, like, hey what's kids, what's cracking? Like snap yeah. my fingers. Hey yeah. daddy O, yeah. what's cracking? What they what they like to see happen is you go buy yeah. a Coke from a vending machine, yeah. but your quarter is wrapped around a string wrapped around your finger. Oh and so you put the quarter in the machine yeah. and then you take the quarter out. Free yeah. soda. Hey, I'm buying what you're selling, my okay. friend. I like the sound of that. So Yeah. New York Times bestseller list, okay. please. If uh, if you would. On the hardcover fiction. Uh, adult fiction. All right. Grown up fiction. You grown up. Kids out of the pool. Yeah. Get out. Parent time. Adult swim. Parents adult swim. Yeah. yeah. Like the show. It's not a show. It's a block of shows. Oh, gosh. I didn't realize you were <laughs> such an expert on adult swim. Well, now you know. Yeah. Don't ever make that mistake again. All right. So, number 10 on the New York Times best sellers list for hardcover fiction, we have Twisted Prey by John Sanford. Mm hmm. You don't like these Prey books. They're no, too they, gruesome yes, for you. Yes, they freak me out. Uh, the 28th book in the Prey series, a federal marshal looks into the actions of a member of the Senate Intelligence Committee. None of this ever really tells us anything. No. Number nine. The high... Is there any like snake bodies and leopard weddings? The federal marshal looks into the actions of a member of the Senate Intelligence Committee who are turning people into, into snake snakes, bodies. You know. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. Number nine. The High Tide Club by Mary Kay Andrews. I don't know if you know this, but yep. the tide is riding, rising. But yeah. I'm hanging on. Okay. Green Day? No, I'm going to be your number one. Oh. That's Ace of Base, I believe. Yeah, okay, no, that's so Blondie. Oh. Ooh, sorry, everybody, that I just ignorant. called Blondie Ace of Base. Ignorance. Hey, you know what? Yeah. I see the sign. I, I, that's the Ace of Base. Could you maybe quote like the Monkees or the Beach Boys? <laughs> that would really... Hey, uh, hey, catch a wave and you're sitting on top of the world. Is that the Beach Boys? It is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's a very relatable reference. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. Oh, people hate the Beach Boys? Okay. No, they don't hate the Beach All Boys. Right. I'm just saying I knew it was the Beach Boys because the word wave was in yeah. there. Yeah. So. Could have been Jan and Dean. You don't know. Who's Jan and Dean? Exactly. <laughs> I didn't know. You're right. Number nine, the High Tide Club. and I'm, uh, An eccentric millionaire enlists the attorney Brooke Trappel, Trappel Vampire Hunter to fix old wrongs, which okay. set up a potential scandal and murder. Mm-hmm. What? I thought these were like fun. Let's go to the beach. Mary Kay Andrews? Yeah, I guess I kind of thought that too. Yeah. I mean, the picture is... Them hanging out at the beach. A beach. Sure. Oh, hold up. What is this? I don't know. I can't tell. It won't. It's visual, There's a little crab. Visual. There's visual. a little crab walking over to the beach a box. crab. Number three, Warlight. Warlight. I mean, number eight, Warlight. Yeah. Uh, Michael. Oh, Fassbender? Nope. Adonche. Corleone? In Britain after World War II, a pair of teenage siblings are taken under the tutelage of a mysterious man and his cronies who served <laughs> during man. the war. Is it last man? It is, isn't I it? I think it was Lazmat. Come, yeah. come with me and my cronies, you two teenagers. I shall take you, you away from who, from know, Britain. Do you know which teenagers you found, Lazmat? They're just two average teenagers, no, I assume. No, it's me, Akos. Oh no! And my brother, Akos's brother. No, Akos the brother. <laughs> oh, with apologies to Veronica Roth. Yeah. Also, sorry about your trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a duology now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number seven, Before We Were Yours. Everybody's reading this. It's been here for 36 weeks. Yeah. Uh, a South Carolina, uh, by Lisa Wingate, a oh, South Carolina right. lawyer learns about questionable practices at a Tennessee orphanage. Yeah. Have we already talked about that bad X-Men animated series episode where Cyclops goes back to his old orphanage hmm. and finds out that Purple Man is using the mutant children there for his own purposes? Purple Man? 
Purple Man's like in David it. Tennant. Purple Man. Yeah, it's Kilgrave, wow. and he's okay. got the purple skin and everything. Wow. But one of them has wheelchair transformation powers. Hmm. One of the mutants. It's a weird set of powers. It's it's weird to think that mankind evolved yeah. to that. But he does. He turns his wheelchair into a like a tank. He can turn it into a tank. Wow. Yeah. Tell Cyclops I made him a convertible. That would be a line from the X-Men anime, anime series. series. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, number six. New this week. Hey, hey. Beach House Reunion. Oh. By Mary Alice Monroe. Hmm. Three generations hmm. of a family gather one summer in South Carolina. Oh. Sounds like a recipe for trouble. I'll say. Yeah, get the aspirin. Yeah, am I right? You're going to have some headaches. going to be a lot of red wine consumed that weekend. Yeah. Uh, Three generations. So that's grandparents, parents, and kids. Yeah. Or (laughs) great-grandparents. Yeah. (laughs) Grandparents. It doesn't... No, it doesn't say three consecutive generations. So you could have a great-grandparent, a child, Mm -hmm. uh, a turtle. Their child. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Babies raising babies. Having reunions. With turtles. Yeah. Uh, All the way down. Number five. Ooh, you better hope your beach house reunion isn't this. I do. By invitation only. Oh. That'd be pretty rough. Family reunion. Yeah. Oh, hey, Cousin Rick. It's so great to see you. Unfortunately, (laughs) playing a bit of a numbers game here. (laughs) Only got so much quiche and red wine and aspirin. (laughs) Quiche, red wine, and aspirin. Yeah. Yeah. It's a family get together. Only non-consecutive generations are allowed at this by invitation only beach house. Yeah. So this is by Dorothy Beaton Frank. Mm -hmm. Benton, Uh, I think. Benton. Yeah. So Dorothy does not beat Frank. (laughs) Dorothy Beaton Frank is her rap name because she drops the sick beats. This was invitation only Frank. Her lyrics are real Frank. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Uh, two families are brought together when the daughter of a Chicago power broker and the son of a southern peach farmer decide to wed. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, hello. Uh, my name is former president of Jimmy Carter. Uh-huh. Uh, I, my daughter's come here to Chicago to wed. Uh-huh. It's the son. My son, I mean. <laughs> I'm very old. Okay. I thought you so, were... I'm a simple peanut farmer but here. This is a peach I've farmer. diversified. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you have anybody in mind for your Chicago power broker? Mm. Oh, yeah, like a hmm. Matthew McConaughey. Nah, too obvious. Too obvious. Could we do like an Alec Baldwin? I mean, he's very like New York, but yeah, what might about, still feel. What about Christian Bale? No, thank you. Oh, jeez, not a fan. Not a fan of Christian Bale nah. in general. Nah, that's real dumb. Sorry. Ooh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. What about uh, the tall British one? The tall British Christian tall, Bale. Tall British guy. Uh-huh. Sherlock. Mm-hmm. You know who I'm Benedict talking about? Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. No, thank you. With an American accent. No. Oh, you don't like Benedict either. I'm not a huge fan. You don't like anyone that ladies seem to prefer over you, I've noticed. Hmm. So. I think you've really cracked this <laughs> wide open. <laughs> so, hey, I get it, man. Yeah. Ladies, ladies always prefer Jimmy Carter to me. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, women prefer Hugh McGregor over me. Yeah. It doesn't mean I have to hate Hugh McGregor. Yeah. I admire the man. Good. So, yeah. Oh, well, I could learn a lot from you. <laughs> I like how you decided to say women prefer Jimmy Carter over you <laughs> yeah. instead of any of the other yeah. handsome actors. Oh, I'm sorry. He's a former president, Eric. <laughs> okay, I can't. Jeez. Yeah. He can work with his hands. He's yeah, been he he's been out there. Yeah. Tilling. Uh, do you till yeah. soil for a peanut farm? The man's 108 years old. <laughs> built a house for a homeless family with his bare hands. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, now, honest, that's only a slight exaggeration. Yeah. And now being his son's honest. getting married. Yeah, so. to a California, Chicago, sorry, Chicago power broker. So, daughter. Daughter. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know what the daughter does for work. I don't well, know what she's the Well, she's probably in the business. She's probably in the family business. The son probably helps out with the peach farming. I would think he does. You would need that. Yeah. How, can, it's a multi-generational peach farming situation, not consecutive generations. I don't but. know a lot about farming in general, but can you survive just off farming peaches alone? I imagine you need if to. If you have a bumper peach crop, you probably can. <laughs> you live real simple like a, like your Jimmy Carter's. Right. Okay. Yeah. You mean like live simple as in run the United States of America right. for a yeah. few years? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Only four. Oh, sure. <laughs> Come on. That's a vacation. Yeah, he's a one-term president. <laughs> Wrote a work of fiction until Bill Clinton teams up with James Patterson and releases there, The President is Missing. Oh, Jimmy Carter true. currently is the only president hmm. who has written a piece of fiction. The Hornet's Nest. Okay. I yep. think some other presidents have written a piece of fiction. <laughs> number four. <laughs> the Twitter f- doesn't count. Hey, oh, oh. Number four, The Fallen by David Baldacci. Amos Decker, known as the Memory Man. Did you just say Amos? Amos? What have That's I been saying? Amos. Oh, Amos. Amos. Yeah. Uh, Amos Decker, known as the Memory, Memory Man, Man, puts his talents towards solving a string of murder in the Rust, Red, uh, Rust Belt town. Mm-hmm. 
So that's, that's the helpful. Rust Belt town. A. The one and only Rust Belt in town. Rust Belt. Yeah. Number three, The 17th Suspect by James Patterson and Maxine Pietro. Uh, this is the latest installment. Just How weird is your life? Would you're like, do I want to write a book with Maxine Pietro or former President William Jefferson Clinton? Yeah, I, I, Maxine Pietro, and then I'll try William Jefferson yeah, Clinton sure, as a writing partner. Yeah. yeah, It's not an either or, it's an also Yeah, and. James Patterson can have his cake and eat it too. Yeah. Do you think he sleeps on a mattress just stuffed with $100 bills? $100 bills? Yeah. Wow. What is he, a popper? Was he a farmhand? <laughs> that's in one. That's in his summer yeah. house. That's, yeah, that's on his peach farm. Yeah. Uh, if you want a memory phone, you're using, you're using <laughs> bigger bills than yeah, that. Yeah. I get all my memory foam from the memory man. Memory man. Yeah. Amos Decker. So this will help me sleep? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then take it from me. <laughs> the, the memory man or the Kool-Aid man? <laughs> a little both. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um... James Patterson. I uh, feel sorry for the people who are tuning in just to listen to Alex Berenson <laughs> sorry, talk. Everybody. It's he's, he's coming, I swear. Yeah. Um, the Women's Mur- Murder Club. Murder I've been, Club. I've been watching uh, Barry with Bill Hader. Yeah. And there's a uh, one of the women who plays a cop in the show. She was in the show, Women's Murder Club. Oh, okay. I didn't realize there was a show. I think it was just one season. Well, okay. That's all. Yeah. I'm just connecting it to Barry. Oh, thank you. The yeah, the show HBO show. It's pretty yeah. funny. I would talk about it, but it's a lot of telling of jokes. And I, I feel like I should do that off air. Mm, or not. Or don't. You know what? Or don't. I'll tell you the jokes later. It's well, fine. I, I'll recreate them just like that you were watching the show. Okay. But it's going to be like a one-man performance. And I will react as former president Jimmy Carter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That was very funny. Well, who is that? I don't know. Who is that supposed to be? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so weird. Is that like Warren Harding? That was so <laughs> who? Former president Warren Harding. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That's right. I don't know what you're doing. Uh, how does Warren Harding sound like? Or whatever you just said. Number two, The Cast by Danielle Steele, a Uh-oh. magazine columnist. Uh, um, shut up. Shut your Just an extra syllable in columnist. I like that. A it. magazine and columnist. Meet. Oh, the microphone's in my way. That's why I can't pronounce <laughs> oh, these things. Boy. Meets an array of Hollywood professionals Real when professional. a producer turns a story about her grandmother... Into a TV series. Whoa. Yeah. Story about grandma. Yeah, somebody's trying to get Thanksgiving points. I guess so. Yeah. So. I made a television show about my grandma. What'd you do? I made her a macaroni necklace. Mm, well, mine's a television show, so it's kind of thing. <laughs> Maybe I'll make her a paper plate bean shaker next yeah, year. Yeah, okay. I'm thinking about a movie deal. Put glue and Happy sparkles. Happy Thanksgiving, grandma. Oh. <laughs> uh, number one. Number one. Can you guess who it is? Oh, let's see. Can I guess who it is? Number one, new this week, debuted at number one. No. The Outsider by Stephen King. Oh, right. And this is just a legit Stephen King, no co-writing with less successful children. Yeah, he told his, he told his kids. This yeah, is, he was like, this, sorry, Owen, yeah. hit the streets. Yeah, this is daddy's time. 48 years old, Stephen King's <laughs> back. Yep. A detective investigates seemingly wholesome member of the community when an 11-year-old boy's body is found in a town park. Yeah. That body is still alive. The boy's just, fine. Oof, no, he's fine. I don't think so. That 11-year-old boy's fine. He's like, how? I don't, you found I don't me know. in the park, that, thanks. That's a weird subject matter, I feel like, to put out a book about right now. Like a dead child. I don't know. Mm. I, I'm. It's not what I want to read. Yeah. Well, I you're read, a father. I didn't read Sleeping Beauties either, so... Yeah. You have problems watching movies now where like little kids look like your own son. Yeah. And then Anakin Skywalker comes in and right. cleans house. Are you an angel? Yeah. Huh. Different Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> Different you, were, you were going with the later Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. All right. So you number, number one Stephen you King. Do you think your son is going to hit on Natalie Portman at a very young age? I would like to think so. <laughs> okay. Uh, Speaking of. I guess I'm a little surprised Stephen King's. No. He debuts at number one Does still. he usually? Okay. Yeah. I guess maybe they just don't have legs. Hmm, that seems like a, there's well, a big he writes pop, so, and then he, he has. They come out so fast. Well, he's kind of slowed down. I think without a. Without the a last son. two have been co-writes. Mm. Wendy's Button Box and uh, Sleeping Beauties were both co-writes. Yeah, so it's been a while. Yeah, okay. I think I was going to. I think there's a lot of disappointment with Sleeping Beauties. So, you know, this one might have a little bit more people like classic Stephen King, mm. and it does seem like that sort of where the marketing's going with this, like the look of it and everything. So yeah. it seems like they're trying to like. It invoke. looks scary. Yeah, it's all charcoal sketch. Stephen King, right? It does. Yeah. It does look scary. All right. Okay. Well, as we talked about a little earlier, mm-hmm. uh, we had a special guest this week visit the David A. Howe Public Library. Was uh, it me? 
Yeah, but you're here every week, so right. it's, you're okay. a, you're neither a guest and special in your own way, right? But you being here uh-huh, is special, is special to you and the, the listeners. Word? Average and the library right. normal, an average amount of speciality. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, we had our our first author visit of 2018 with Alex Berenson joining us. Uh, he and I. Well, we talk a little bit about this in the interview, but it's been a long time coming where we've been trying to work this out. So we're yeah. so excited that he made it here. Uh, he was really impressed with the library, liked the look of it, thought it was a cool town. Yeah. Uh, I We recommended Texas Hot, and he, he seemed like he was heading in that direction. Yeah. So we'll have to yeah. follow up and see if he actually tried the Texas Hot. Mm. So I know he had a long drive. Right. We'll see. Okay. But anyway, let's turn it over to our interview with Alex Berenson. All right, so thank you for joining us on this special episode of the All the Book Show. We just have a few questions for our guest author, Alex Berenson. Nick, do you want to start with the first question? You gave me the mic. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kicked the mic over to Eric so he can get us rolling here. But uh, first, I want to say, Alex, thanks so much for coming. It's uh, it's funny to be sitting here across from you after... I feel like we've been pen pals for almost a year now. <laughs> yes. I was wondering if it would happen. Right. But, <laughs> but the day the day came and yes. here I am. We finally found it. <laughs> you didn't catfish me. You're really Alex Berenson. Here we are. Uh, so we've got a couple questions for you here. So I'll, I'll get it going with the, the first in our take five. So you mentioned a little bit to the folks here uh, in the audience that um, you started your career as a journalist, uh, working with the Denver Post, the Street.com, ultimately the New York Times. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that transition to full-time author? And I'm curious specifically, are there things that you miss? Sure. Um, so a lot of journalists, I think, want to be novelists or, or uh, you know, at least did want to be novelists uh, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh there, there's some. There's a lot of reasons for that. I, uh, but one reason that I think people outside journalism don't understand, or, or though maybe they're understanding it better now, is that as a journalist, you can only get so close to the truth. You're mm-hmm. sort of dependent on people to tell you the truth, and if they lie to you, you know, you're not a prosecutor. You can't try them for perjury or right. anything like that. <laughs> um, and in writing novels, you control your whole world, and uh, you know the characters can they can lie to each other, they could lie to themselves, but they're not going to lie to you. Mm-hmm. And that's a very fulfilling feeling when you're used to being somebody who just asks questions that may or may not get batted down. Um, okay. So, so that's definitely something that I enjoy about uh, being a novelist. Um, and I've missed journalism less than I thought I would, which okay. is sort of funny to say because now I'm back on this big nonfiction project. Right. Uh, you know, occasionally there's a really great story. I, I, you know, this guy named John Carreyu uh, for the Wall Street Journal wrote about Theranos and essentially brought that company down and saved a lot of people from getting bad blood tests. Okay. And, um, and to me, that he did a real public service. And, uh, you know, that kind of investigative reporting is great. And occasionally there's a story that, I, I, you know, I wish that I'd done that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, especially now where the press is sort of stuck in such an adversarial position with the uh, with the White House, absolutely. Um, I, I think it's, uh, I, I think it's difficult. I mean, I think there are reporters who really get off on that and really like being on CNN every day and really being opinionated and knowing that you know half the country can't stand them and the other half is rooting for them. I don't necessarily think that's the best kind of journalism. Although I, I think unfortunately or fortunately, it's where the profession is right now. Okay. So I do, uh, I do sort of, uh, I don't miss that. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I don't think I would either. Uh, Eric, you want to take question two? Your Edgar-winning debut novel, The Faithful Spy, that was written following your time as a correspondent in Iraq. Uh, but what about that experience compelled you to actually write fiction? So I, uh, you know, I, I talked a little bit to the audience about this, but uh, you know, I, as a, I saw a lot of stuff over there, and I. Uh, as a reporter for the Times, you are encouraged to, you know, get out, talk to people, you know, find real stories, find out what's really happening, uh, you know, in the country. But again, you can only get so deep. You know, I, I couldn't write from the perspective of a poor Iraqi or uh, or an American soldier, and I thought that I would be able to do that more as a novelist. Now, the, you know, the the downside is, am I really capturing somebody if I've you know based on my experience of, of a few months as a correspondent, or is it, or am I sort of making it up as I go along and it doesn't really capture somebody's experience? Uh, th- that's a that's a real question that I wrestle with and I still wrestle with it. But I do think that having 
having the experience that I did have definitely informed The Faithful Spy and the later books, and hopefully it made those books more authentic than a lot of similar spy novels. Hopefully they could be, I mean, in a perfect world, I would have been there longer and they would have been even better and more authentic. But when you look at, uh, and I'm certainly not comparing myself to, let's say, Graham Greene, but, you know, Graham Greene lived in those, you know, he lived in Vietnam, he lived in Haiti, he lived in Mexico for years, and he, and, and he those books are really informed by his experiences there. And so, uh, so the, longer, the longer you can stay in a place and really see it, I think the better your fiction is likely to be. Thank you. So sticking with The Faithful Spy for a minute, uh, we, we've discussed a little bit how uh, John Wells is a, a Muslim character. I mean, he finds great solace and inspiration in, in the religion of Islam. And I was, I, I thought that was a bold move to, to make a character, uh, so 2006, is that when this was written? Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a pretty close window to, to 9-11 to make your primary character a Muslim character. And I'm just, I'm curious why you did that and how you think that informs the character. I, I think it's a really fascinating aspect of it. So he becomes Muslim at some level because he has to. He's, sure. He's over there for all those years. And I don't mean that they compel him to. I mean mm-hmm. that for his own sanity, he's living in this foreign culture and he has to either adapt politically, mm-hmm. which he's never going to do, and sort of say the United States is, a, is this terrible place and I'm going to bring it down, or he has to find some other bond with these men he's living with. And, and Islam is that bond. And, and you know, Wells is, uh, he's a seeker by nature. He's not really a, a believer. And so, you know, at some point in one of the later books, somebody says, well, you know, how could you believe in this instead of Christianity? He says, well, you know, do you really believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And so, you know, in every religion, there are things that that are that you have to take on faith. That's what faith is. Sure. And so, and so, Wells finds this community, and there are things about Islam that he really likes, especially that you know, especially this idea that it, that it that's that you can come out, you, know, you can show up basically anywhere in the world as a as a believer, and and if you're you know, and if your belief is genuine, you'll be taken in. I mean, obviously, that's. Th- th- Sunni versus Shia, Mm -hmm. there are exceptions to that. But on the whole, Islam has fewer sects than Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so Wells does appreciate that. So it puts him in this very difficult place in some ways. He Again, the the United States, the CIA, they don't trust him entirely because they know he's converted and they wonder if he's converted to the sort of ideology of Islam too. And and, and the Al-Qaeda does not really trust him because they know he's American. So it puts him in a very difficult spot, but he's not going to give up the religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that tension cuts through the faithful spy. In the later books, the religion becomes, it, it became, and I think this is one of the problems with the later books, it becomes a little bit difficult to know where to go with it. Mm-hmm. Because the books aren't about John Wells as Muslim. They're about John Wells as CIA operative and sure. you know, and then ex-CIA operative. No, so, I, I found the way... That when he suddenly when he's when he's back in the states, it becomes a struggle for him. Yes, you know something that was so simple when he's there, surrounded, it's, it's, to so, stick with it as a fish out of water. I thought was very realistic. It, it, ex- exactly, and and in the later books, that's difficult to keep that tension because sure. it, you know at some point he has to either drop the religion or just stop worrying about how it positions him. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Like in the Faithful Spy, he's very conscious of the fact that he's different. Yeah. Your work frequently uses real names, places, and events. Why did you decide to go that route, and how do you think it impacts the reading experience? I wanted to make the books feel authentic, uh, and I hope that uh, that using you know the real places and names to the extent that I can does make it feel more authentic. I also try to visit the places I write about for the mo- and I have for the most part, and uh, you know I do I do a fair amount of research. So I, I'm I'm looking for an experience that will feel. Uh, will feel real to readers. Now, the later books sort of pull away from that a little bit, and you do have fictional players in there. How did you decide, like, how did you transition that? What, why, well, why did you turn it to Well, show? so uh, Dudo eventually becomes president, right. and so that does take the books in a slightly different direction. Yeah. I think I liked, I didn't want Wells to be in the CIA forever. He couldn't be in forever. The, you know, he's, not, he's just not an organizational guy. Mm-hmm. And so for him, he needed to have some kind of contact. And so ultimately, Dudo's rise provides Wells with the access that he needs okay. to be, continue to have interesting and important missions. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's essentially why I did that. Um, 
Uh, and and I also sort of there's a there's a part of me that liked the idea that you know Wells does all this stuff. Wells hates Dudo really, and Dudo hates Wells. Right. And yet, <laughs> and yet Wells's work essentially accrues to Dudo's benefit yeah. throughout the books. Like yeah. that's definitely a theme. Is that well? Dudo, there's an there's an element where they kind of need each other. They do. They do. I mean, you know, Wells needs Dudo for the because Wells needs these missions, yeah. and Dudo can give him that access. Right. And Dudo needs Wells because Wells has the skills to pull them off, mm-hmm. and at the same time do it in a deniable way. Sure. Well, let's switch for a minute here and talk a little bit about your nonfiction work. Uh, you you mentioned the number, which which we have in our collection. I have uh-huh. it right over there for you to sign. <laughs> <laughs> now, all of your books, I mean, it's pretty clear you do a lot of research for anything uh, that you write. I'm just wondering how the experience of writing nonfiction. What what are the what's the difference there? So fiction is harder. It oh, okay. Turns out because at the end of the day, you have to look within yourself, and if you're doing it right, you have to feel those characters, and you have to like figure out what they're feeling and tell their stories, and in the end there comes a moment when you have to put the research down and just stare at the page until the words start coming out. And I don't know, maybe it's easy for Stephen King. I mean, maybe there are these people who write two or three books a year and, and I don't know how they do that. Like it would ring me out by the end of the year to do it. And it never really got any easier. Uh, whereas with nonfiction, it's about research. It's about finding stories and it's about telling them in a, you know, in a organizing the facts, telling them in a way that people are going to be interested in and can understand. It's more, it's work, but it's less It's less sort of soul-crushing. Sure, day. yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your, your busy and stressful schedule, <laughs> it sounds like, to come here and hang out with us. That was real fun. <laughs> uh, I thought I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. The, when we interviewed Julia Spencer Fleming, it was you know it was a lot lighter and like goofier. Well, yeah. you weren't there. We just had your head on a stick, but which makes it much goofier. Which yeah. Much goofier. Yeah, there was Not there was no prop comedy in the interview with yeah. Alex Barron. Yeah. And I'm interested. I don't know if he said it on the interview just now, but he said he's the next two books he's working on don't feature John Wells. Yeah. Hit next, the curve, John Wells. Right. Next will be the one about the marijuana question. Uh-huh. And then the following one after that is just a, a standalone thriller yeah. not connected to Wells. So yeah. I, I'm I'm interested in both of them. Yeah. You know, it's, it seems like whenever we have an author here, I like, yeah. I usually have already liked their books and right. then I like, like them even more because I liked him. But aren't you afraid that his next book, there's going to be a murder mystery and it's going to be like, oh, this library director mm. was So you think he has it in for me? Well, because you were worried about uh, Joyce Carol Oates. Oh, yeah. I put you in there. <laughs> no, I, you were. You kept saying she's going to put a terrible character in her book named Nick. Yeah. And, yeah. and it didn't happen. It's because so. that tuna sandwich you got her was not up to snuff. Oh, it was It yeah. was a little past yeah. its prime. She okay. said, no celery. Yeah. There was celery in that tuna. <laughs> she just threw it right up. <laughs> <the> <laughs> right into, yeah. Furious Joyce Carol yeah. Oates hurls tuna sandwich at hotel wall no that did not happen it didn't happen everyone but it's no. a great headline all our authors so have been very nice maybe it has they've been very they nice have. yeah i think we've had really good experiences yeah. all around yeah so we got some great pictures so we'll upload some of those he's a tall man he tallest is tall author we've had so far tallest author yeah. yeah although alexander mccall smith was very tall as well that's true so but i i think uh, i think alex here yeah beat him yeah not physically but i think he was <laughs> i think he was yeah. taller yeah so, In about 10 more years, we're going to bring all the authors we've had together. For like a cage match. For like a cage wow. match. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that is in the fine print of all yeah. the paperwork that yeah. we sent. So yeah. pretty, pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Winner gets to co-write something with the president. Oh, wow. L- loser co-writes something current, with James Patterson. Pres- can you choose a president? Does it have to be the current president? Pick it to pick. Oh, cool. But it right. has to be a living president. That I'm in. That would make sense. Yeah. So yeah. Otherwise, everybody's just going to pick Richard Milhouse Nixon. You th- but you think everybody's gonna want to co-write a book with Nixon? <laughs> yeah, out of all the dead presidents. Yeah, Nixon. 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 Yep, the most Just literary. A real, a real spirit of collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. boy, we've had, had a lot of fun the- discussing yeah. the presidents today. Yep. Nixon strikes me as an editor. You think somebody who would enjoy editing yeah. some work? Probably. Yeah. Probably. It's all crap. This yeah. is terrible. Lots of red ink yeah. on that. Manuscript. I doubt he'd say crap though. Yeah. Nixon had a filthy mouth. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's aware of that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but he did. Yeah, and on that wonderful note, yeah. let's turn it over to some library news. Okay. What do you What do you have coming up? Well, we are showing Wrinkle in Time. Oh, June eighth, which I haven't seen. Friday, and I love Chris Pine at three thirty. Haven't seen it. PM mm-hmm. in the Nancy Howe Auditorium. Yep. it's going to be our last after school movie of this school year. Is it now? Until uh, the next school year, until okay. September. You're because... not showing any movies over the summer reading program. No, we are. Oh, this but is the it's last not after, after school. school. I see. Yeah. So and then. 
I guess nothing for the next two weeks because in two weeks, after these two weeks, we're starting our summer reading yeah. program. Boy, it's hard to believe it's here already. We've only got two more Mondays left. And then the 25th of June starts summer reading program for, for everybody. all ages. Adults, all ages, children, pals and gals. Yep. Smaller children. Yep. The smallest the of smallest children. Of yep. children. Yeah. Yep. Your, yeah. your Jimmy Carter's. Yeah. Uh, the, the, those what? those over a hundred, yeah, so are, are older adults. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, runs the full gamut. You well, think the, Jimmy Carter's going to come in and sign up for our summer reading program just for might. a tote bag. I'll give him a call. Okay, Let's see what's up. <laughs> Book clubs are uh-huh. currently reading. We're just finishing up Nine Lives by Wendy Corsi Staub, uh-huh. uh, and then the next one is Basket Case, uh, not the Green Day song oh, okay. by Carl Heisen, yeah. which is pretty good so far. I'm I'm in that one. I don't know if I've ever told this to you, but sometimes I give myself the creeps. Really? In a way, I guess you could say my mind plays tricks on me. I see. I it, it all keeps adding up. You're you're just quoting lyrics again. Sure, I Is guess. Is that correct? I guess. I guess okay. I'm thinking I'm cracking up. Well, we're coming up on a lot of our summer programs, such That's as Music on the Lawn, which starts uh, the end of, of June, and then uh, Tuesdays on the Terrace begins in July. Mm-hmm. And our last mm. concert before all that is the Young Sisters on June 14th. This yes. is their third year here. All mm. new set lists. We're looking forward to having them back. So hope you can join us for that. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to add for the good of the All the Book Show? No. All right. <laughs> well, our thanks to our special guest, Alex Berenson. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.